who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. What do you get when you take two childhood friends with a passion for unexplored history and a whole lot of booze? You get us, Queen's Podcast. And here at Queen's, we are spilling the tea on all kinds of women from history. From New Orleans voodoo queen, Marie Laveau, to Marie Antoinette, and everything in between. Each queen is paired with a cocktail recipe that will totally get you in the mood to hear the fun, dramatic, and juicy stories of fascinating women from history. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Cheers! I went into the audition and I highlighted all my lines. And so I go in and she goes, okay. She goes, let's go. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, are you ready? Do you want to do it? I was like, oh yeah, I don't know. Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. She's like, okay. She's like, action. And I'm like, <laughs> she's like, honey, we, we got to start the audition. Hello world and welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is your first week tuning in, hello and welcome. This is the show where I speak to fellow actors about their journey in this crazy industry and I make them share a couple bad audition stories. Make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you're listening to it right now and leave us some love if if that is something you do on the podcast platform that you are listening to this on now. Wow, words are difficult today, guys. Um, they're a little difficult. <laughs> Anywho's goal. Today on the show, we have Derek Sprady. He is the, one of the stars of the Bounce series, Johnson, where he plays Jarvis Johnson. Um, and uh, we had a great, great conversation. He's been in the industry for so many years, and he's writing and producing and been on essentially every television show you've uh, ever seen in your life. Uh, he's a great dude, and it was so much fun talking to him. So here is our conversation. And welcome to the show, Derek's. <laughs> Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I'm very excited to meet you and to have you on the show today. Uh, before we start talking about all the amazing things you're doing currently, I'd like to go back and ask, what was it that got you into this crazy world? 
You know, I well, I know from a little kid, I like to move people and entertain people. I, I know I like to make people laugh and feel things. As a kid, my aunts uh, would tell me that I would like walk around the house and do Michael Jackson and dance and all that <laughs> stuff. So I didn't know it was acting, but probably like when I was about seven or eight, I remember I would watch TV with my mom a lot and just seeing different things and commercials would come on and I would repeat them verbatim mm. and I would do them and and then my mom, you know, would really like, you know, oh my goodness, that's so cute. And I would do it more. And I just was like, you know what, I want to do this. And so um, that's when I knew like, okay, I want to do what they're doing on TV. Wow. You were yeah. so young and you knew instantly. I knew. I went different directions. I went into a music group first, but I knew then like, I'm going to be on TV and say words. That's, I just <laughs> knew that. I love that. Okay, wait. So you went into a music group. What? Yeah. Well, um, you know, when I got a little older, I I would started dancing and I would go around and I would tour and go different places in the world. And then I started uh, this. I was in this music group with a friend of mine, uh, Dwayne, and we did this group called Project X. And we got a deal on this artist that was like Prince. His name's Giorgio in his own right, was really, really talented. And he got us a deal with Interscope Records. And we, we like, yeah, we had a single and we did like this Power 106 tour and um, I was doing music. But then I realized quickly, I was like, this is not my calling. This is mm. like, I'm having fun, but this is not really what I do. I really want to act. And so at that time I was managed by Suzanne DePass. And I remember telling them, um, you know, I want to act. And mm. they started putting me out and I immediately, like I booked a commercial, a soda commercial. And then it just started like kind of opening up and happening. So I quickly went from doing music and then to my calling, which was acting. Wow, that's such an interesting way to get into acting. I mean, yeah. rarely do you see somebody successfully transition from just being a musical artist into acting. It's it's a difficult transition to to make. Yeah. Yeah. Did you experience yeah. any sort of like challenges in that facet of that of that transition? Um no because I really felt like that's what I was supposed to be doing. Wow. And so, um, and you know, when you first start, I mean, naiveness is bliss. So I was just like, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to go do it. <laughs> and I was just manifesting and claiming and things were happening. And I started booking pretty frequently, um, which was awesome in the beginning, um, which yeah. gave like, a, but it did give kind of this false like view of, I just thought that's how it always be. You just go to an audition and every couple you book and, and it, it you know, and so that it is happened. Not like, it. <laughs> right. It was. <laughs> I was like, what? I remember being on a series. I was on my first series. Okay, uh, is this Any Day Now? Any Day Now. Any yeah, day. yeah, yeah. Hey. Um, and uh, what was weird is that um, I did two episodes, hmm. and then we broke up. And then, like, two years later, they wrote me back in the show. And then I ended up doing, like, 15 episodes. And then the next season, I was up for a pilot, I can mm. say, for Mel Gibson. And it was shooting in Australia. That Monday, we were negotiating. My manager was negotiating my contract. And they were like, listen, if you want to make him a series regular, you better do it by Monday because he's probably going to get this pilot and he's going to go to Australia. And that was the trigger that made him go, okay, we want to keep him. And they made me a series regular. And that was any day now. But I remember, um, man, I lost my train of thought. I went into that. I was, what was I talking about? <laughs> um, well, that's so funny, though. I mean, that's I'm such a remember. such an industry move is like the second that you're up for something else, it's such great traction to use for whatever you're currently on. Because then, then they're like, well, if you want to keep them, right? you got to just like, you know, bump them up and pay them more and, you know, give them that yeah. regular cred. 
Right. And that's what I remember. I was going to, I remember when that show was over, um, I was going to, and I just thought because things had happened so easily, I just thought, oh, you all just, you just go, mm-hmm. you just go. And, mm-hmm. um, but ironically, I will say Annie Potts, who's just amazing and such an angel. She helped Love me with my, my first audition after the show, went Aww. through the sides with me and it, it ended up being for this show called, uh, the agency and I booked mm-hmm. it. Wow. Um, so I, I still was like, okay, this is what it is. And then like, it, it got to a place where like things shifted and changed and it got a little bit normal, but yeah, that was my transition. So w- were you pretty young when all of this was happening? Like what, what was the age range to this, this big transition? You know what? I was like in my, my like mid, I was like, wow, was I, I was in my, my twenties, my early twenties. Yeah. When I when I when I transitioned and said, okay, I want to do this. I was in my mm-hmm. early twenties when I said I wanted to. You so know, you go really had that. that like young person thing too of just being like, dang, this is all working out. I don't know why everybody else is complaining. This is fantastic. Yeah. I don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what they're talking about. They were like, what do you do? I was like, just walk in, just walk in, and you know, and and say your lines. Just yeah, it, it was just like do it. It's it's it, yeah, it, and that is clearly not the case. That was just something that magical was happening in that moment. Um, and, and I do think, I do think though, like not walking in the room with desperation and mm. that energy that does give you a little magic, right? Like it not totally you, gives you magic. Yeah. And, and I didn't learn that till a little later. You know, I used to, mm. I have this quote, like, I'm not going to leave my soul in the room. I'm going to go in the room. I'm going to mm. spread my, my magic and then I'm going to leave and I'm just going to go to the next one. And there was something powerful in that. Um, and I try to remember that even to this day. Uh, I love that. I think you need to make that a t-shirt. I'm not going to leave my soul <laughs> in the room and like, just wear it to every audition. I'm just going to come like, in and like, it. yeah, <laughs> the uniform. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to think about that. I need to do that. That was something magical. I haven't even thought about that in a long time until you're just mm. talking to me now. Yeah. So did you experience, I'm experiencing this right now. I just turned 30. And I feel like there is this strange time in an actor's life where you are like in your late 20s to like your mid 30s where they just don't know what to do with you. You're like too young to be a parent. You're too old to be in college. Did you go through that? I absolutely went through I went through a limbo for about seven, eight years going through exactly that. They didn't know what to do. I couldn't play the high school kid. I couldn't play the college kid anymore. But yet I wasn't really ready to play this parent Mm -hmm. and I was in limbo. And I'll be honest, if it wasn't for commercials, like, I don't know what I would have done during that period. Because for about seven, eight years, I ended up doing really well commercially. And that's what Mm -hmm. helped me float. At that time, you know, I had had a mortgage. I had kids. I have my wife, which I still have all that now. But that's when I just said from the series got a house. And then all of a sudden after that, it kind of slowed down Ugh. after a couple of jobs. And I was so like, scary to be an actor. <laughs> really yeah. is. And I was in that limbo and it was just like, what do I do? And then, um, someone, I think my manager at the time was like, you should really try to get into commercials. And at first I was like, ah, it's so, and man, thank the Lord for commercials. I ended up doing a lot of national commercials and that helped me like stay afloat. Like I basically for about seven, eight years, only made my my income through commercials. Mm. And that was, was probably when the commercials were like actually paying good and they that's were when they, doing well. 
Yeah, that's when they would run them for a while. Like sometimes they'd run them for a year, two and a half. You know. Oh yeah, and you get those two. renegotiation deals, and you're just like, holy crap! Yes, yeah, I'm good for another year. <laughs> yeah, and that's when they also like. I remember I did this McDonald's campaign, which was cool. Um, I ended up doing like six commercials with them, and wow. then they called me back, and I, I just I just started going like doing them all: the Honda, Toyota, you know, Ford, mm. all. And it was just a good time of commercials. Um, yeah, so that was that was what really helped me stay afloat. Because I think every actor, they have this moment. Not every actor, but most actors. Yeah. They have that moment where they just kind of go into limbo and they don't really know what to do with you. So true. So true. It'll come around, though. <laughs> stay in it. It'll, it'll come around. It will. Yes. Uh, so you've done a lot of TV, though. You've done a lot of yeah. different television shows. I mean, you've been on so many television shows it was you know difficult to even narrow down one to talk about um yeah i mean there was a time where if uh if there was a black father i was the son on tv like it was, <laughs> it was there was a moment where like it was like if there was a black father and it was like an all-american kind of thing going on i, I was he was my dad like yeah <laughs> they just called you they were like hey so we have another role for you <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty wild, but I got to really meet a lot of great, talented actors. Um, and you know, and, and it's interesting too. Like, you'd be surprised how many actors will remember you from other shows. Mm -hmm. That was a trip. I remember one of my first gigs was on uh, this. People won't even know this this hospital show. Uh, it was Chicago Hope, and it was the rival to ER. Mm -hmm. and I remember Mark, it. Yeah, and that was one of my very first gigs. And Mark Harmon. Um, was one of the leads of that show. And then and like years later- he's like the later, coolest person ever, obsessed. Nicest guy ever. One of the top like five nicest guys that I've ever, ever worked with. Yeah. And he's just amazing. And uh, I remember I was, I, I booked NCIS years mm -hmm. later. And, and I remember I was walking up to set and he goes, hey, Derek's. And I said, what? what? You remember me? And he was like, yeah, it's Chicago Hope. I go, how'd you know? He goes, I saw your name on the call sheet. Who does that? Like, oh my God, I love <laughs> Mark him. is just special, man. And it was genuine. He knew who I was. It was a trip yeah. to me. Yeah. God, it's so nice when you encounter those types of people on set because it, it is rare. I had this, I had yeah. an experience like that with Nathan Fillion when I was on Castle. I was like sitting in the the trailer getting my hair dyed and he walks in and introduces himself and I'm like, you do not need to wow. introduce yourself to me. I know who you are. Yeah. He's You're like, like, I know who you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what would you say is like the, the TV role that you've done that was either like the most meaningful to you or the most fun outside of the one that you're currently on? Cause we're going to get to that. You know what? I did this show. Um, uh, called uh, um, The District. Mm. And, and I was playing the mayor's son on that show. <laughs> um, but I was a little bit past college. And so, um, and I remember um, it was like, my character was like, you know, late 20s, uh, 30, right? And I had uh, schizophrenia. Mm. And it was with Craig T. Nelson. Um, and I, I, I remember that when I auditioned and then when I got the part, I remember like this kind of role, what I was doing on the show and having schizophrenia and thinking like seeing all these different people that were in my head. I was like, a lot of times African-American actors don't get to play that. 
Um, mm. And I remember the responsibility that I had with that. And I took it really serious. I remember talking to my wife going, listen, I'm shooting this thing for eight days. I, I, I'm not going to really be here. Like I'll be here, but I'm not going to be here. And I, I, I hope that's okay if I could just have that. And she was like, no, I totally get it. She supported me in that. And um, I remember uh, I, I did that role and it was so fun. I saw, I heard it. I, I saw an interview with Leonardo DiCaprio and he said, one of the most amazing feelings, you know, in life is when you're doing a role and you've done so much work, so much focus, you're so there that you're literally on a ride. There's like literally no bad choice. Almost every take will work. It just depends on what they want. And I've had that just a couple times in my career. And that was my first time having that. It was like, mm. I could do the, I could have done the same take with any emotion at will 30 times if you needed it. It didn't matter. Um, and uh, that was one of the times I got a letter from all four executive producers. And they were like, they were like, this show's about to air. We were so proud of this episode. You did amazing work. Um, and just thank you for coming to play with us. And wow. that was the show where it was just magic. Uh, that's one of my best experiences in a role. I mean, isn't that the most fun when you, because yeah. most of the times when you're on, you know, a, a TV series as a guest actor, you don't really have this like fully developed character that you get to like inhabit for that eight days on set. It's right. more of like, here's the typical lawyer, here's the cop or here's the criminal, right. or whatever it is. Right. And right. it's not like this nuanced, beautiful, full human. And yeah. to be able to have that experience, I think that's what, you know, what makes those magic moments happen is that not Absolutely. only did you have this incredibly written character, but you put in so much work that it was just like, no, 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 this is a real human. This is a full human. This isn't just a, a piece of somebody. It's it's everything. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, there's a scene where I'm trying to kill my dad, mm. but I feel like the beauty of it was is that I was trying to kill him because I thought someone took over his mind and I was trying to save him. Like the wow. writing was really complex and it was really nuanced and it wasn't just straight ahead. This is what it is. Um, and um, I really learned not to judge the character. Um, and I think that helped yeah. create the beauty in that. You know, it's a lot of times you get a you get a character and you, you look at it and you might be like, I don't like this guy or what is this or why did they have me do? And it was like I was able to find the magic in it, the beauty mm -hmm. of it. And, uh, and it was just such a fun experience. Yeah, I, I look forward to doing something like that again. It was really amazing. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. 
And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Check out new episodes Mondays and Fridays for a wide variety of topics and news episodes. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rage on. So you're on a show now called Johnson Unbounce. Tell yeah. me a little bit about it. You guys are on season two. So tell me everything. Tell me about your character. Tell me the show. I want to know it all. <laughs> um, man, I love this show. And I re- I'm not just saying I really do because, and I'll tell you why, there's so many things. But first of all, this show, Johnson, it's about four best friends who met each other in elementary on the blacktop. They lined up in alphabetical order <laughs> and they found out they all had the same last name, Johnson, but no relation. <laughs> That's not so cute. related at all. Right? And so forward, you know, 25 years of friendship and we go from friends to family to brothers. And so now we're all navigating in life. We're in different places of life and we're, you know, um, encouraging each other as well as challenging each other. We, I played Jarvis Johnson. Um, he What a is, great name, first off. Right? <laughs> Jarvis Johnson. Yeah. I mean, my God, that is a fantastic name. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I play Jarvis Johnson, um, and he owns his own brokerage. He has like 35 employees in in the mortgage industry. Um, And so that's what he does of realtors, and he's finding homes. He had a business in Connecticut uh, because he went to Yale. He grew up in Atlanta, but he went to Yale, left his friends and family behind, went to Yale, met the love of his life, uh, Lisa Johnson, who's played by Jessica Luza, the talented Jessica Luza. And... um, they end up getting married out there, and then and then they he builds a business, but he realizes, I need to get back home. So he comes back to Atlanta and starts to have his business thriving there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it also stars uh, uh, Thomas Q. Jones, who plays Omar Johnson, and Philip Smithy, who plays Keith Johnson, and uh, Deji LeRae, who plays Greg Johnson. And Deji LeRae is actually the creator of the show. Wow. Um, yeah. He's the one that created the whole show. And, um, and it's just a great show. I mean, we're dealing with some different dynamics of life. Um, we're, we're, we're all, it's also got funny moments, but you know, I've done a lot of TV and usually there's a couple things. Usually, uh, if I play a character where he's, uh, has his own company or he's a lawyer, uh, he's kind of either boring or, or kind of like goofy and this is like the first time I've been able to play a highly intelligent character that is successful, but also has swag. Like he's cool. <laughs> and, I, I, and, I, and I like that. Um, and I think the show also brings a balance to TV. I think a lot of times when we look at TV, we see certain stereotypes that are per- perpetuated a lot. And this show kind of brings a balance. It shows people that we know in everyday life, right? Like, where this show is like the people that I know, I know a lot of my friends and family, they're like entrepreneurs or they're teachers or they're, 
they're married and totally engaged with the kids and coach yeah. football and or they're taking their daughter to ballerina or you know they're in the tech and so this show brings a balance to v, to TV that we really don't see often. So it's a great show. Um, the women on the show, even though the show is told from a male POV, um, the women on the show absolutely have a voice. Um, mm-hmm. They're so talented, and and, um, and so they bring a balance. And so they're, you know, some of us are married. Uh, some of us are. Some of the characters are single. Um, some are just trying to figure out <laughs> is this what I want? And so as we navigate through life. We have these funny moments as well as dynamic. Wow. That was a great description. Love that. (laughs) (laughs) I love those types of shows, though. I think we get so inundated with the, um, and I'm a a true crime junkie, but I think we get very inundated with the the true crime, the fantasy, the all this all the the time. Yeah, we get we get inundated with like the, the spectacle of it all. So I love finding shows that are just, you know, the real the, yeah. the actual human experience. I think yeah. it's rare to find shows that really reflect that. So it's really cool to to be a part of something like that. I've always loved the slice of life type of filmmaking yeah. and TV making. Yeah. And, and, and it's like it deals with some topics that sometimes aren't always talked about. Like, for instance, Jarvis, he's in an interracial relationship. His wife is white. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, you know, sometimes we have people that might not agree with that lifestyle or not, but rarely do you see that internally within the community have yeah. issues with it. And so Greg Johnson, who's like my brother, one of my best friends, he actually has an issue with it. Mm. And, he, you know, the first season we had to deal with that, he would really take jabs at me and, and really give me a hard time because my wife's not black. And I'm trying to explain to him, I didn't marry her because she's not black. I married her because she's the person I fell in love with. Right. Like love is love. This is just life. And so um, so we had to deal with that on the show. Um, and uh, and then in season two, um, now he's kind of at the place where he's like, you know what, bro? Like, I love you. If this is happiness, I'm for you. Mm-hmm. And we kind of find ways to resolve it. But now, you know, the end of the, the episode, I won't give too much away, but the end of mm-hmm. uh, season episode 10 of season one um Jarvis is driving in a car with his wife and they get pulled over and the police officer wants to see his license. Oh no. And Jarvis is like, I haven't been driving. I don't, why do you need to see my license? And you know, the police officer, uh, you know, is like, I need to see your license. And a police officer is actually black. That's asking him this. Mm. And so it, it creates another layer and his partner is white, but the police officer asking for his license is black. And so, you know, Jarvis is just like, no, I'm not showing you my license. I don't need to show you my license. I'm not driving. They pull him out of the car and there's an issue that happens. So going into season two, now his wife and I, and Jarvis and Lisa, they're trying to figure out, wow, we didn't really realize that, ha- you know, having these different cultures, trying to see the other side of it. And so now we're going to see in season two, how does that play out? Do they, are they able to look over the see from their other lens Mm. and relate to it or is it kind of like no like let's put the race thing aside at the end of the day should you have just given your license you know and Jarvis is kind of like but equality says no right exactly I'd be like hell no right (laughs) right so there's some dynamics that they're dealing with on that we're dealing with on the show now that is really taking a deep dive into, you know, marriage and race and like, what does that mean? And really given a different perspective that has valid points on both sides. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about the writing. You know, Deji, 
the first season, he he wrote a couple episodes, and then there was Gino Brooks that wrote uh, some episodes, and so. But season two, Deji wrote the entire season, wow. and so that there's a, a triumph in itself. That. Yeah, it's a there's a fluidity to it, and so he did an amazing job, and I think all of our perform performances are really showing up. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting to hear you talk about um, the show. I feel like. I've had this conversation a lot recently, and I think that's a good thing because I think that media is really transforming and we're talking about things that used to be like so taboo to talk about and we're using it through media and through entertainment and making it, I hate to use the word like normalized because it should already be normalized, but I think normalized in media. Yeah. And I think that's being a part of something like that is, is just so special yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, we're we're cuz we're dealing with a lot of topics that, you know, wouldn't normally like you said it it would be taboo. Um, yeah. you know, and, and it's and it's happening with all the characters they're going through things and figuring things out. You know, Omar uh Johnson actually uh was going through a divorce and a mm. custody battle the first season and he fought for his family and was kind of able to repair and bring that unit back together, but in the midst of that, when they were going through their turmoil, um, Keith Johnson uh, had a girl that he really was interested in. She's an Instagram model, and he really liked her, but she wasn't really feeling him. Mm. And so at the bar, when Omar is going through this divorce, his family's not yet together. She's at the bar, and he ends up getting what his friend, the girl that his friend really likes. And so- we're, so we're, we're dealing with all different elements. And, you know, the the, the, the question in the, the bro code is kind of like, should he have not yeah. slept with her? Um, of course, fighting for his family, he should have been just focused on that. But at the same time, they're going through divorce. They're not together at that moment. And he knows she's not really into him. Yeah. So is that his girl? Is that crossing the line? So we're dealing with that. So, dealing with the messy. <laughs> it's fun. That's life. It's, it's dealing it's, with it's, the messy. That's life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, I can't wait to watch it. I'm definitely gonna binge the hell out of that show because I love so that. So fun. Uh, <laughs> and but just on to let people show... know, there's just to let people know too. There's an app that they can download called okay. Brown Sugar. You download the Brown Sugar app through your, you know, Android or through the i, you know, the iPhone store, mm-hmm. um, the Apple store, and you can download the app. We have a uh, if you go to bouncetv.com, you can find the. Uh, I think it's uh, Johnson. Um, season two is okay. the code and also Johnson free trial for 30 day free trial and hey, they can hey. finish the entire first season as well as watch all the episodes, uh, leading up to episode six. Binge it y'all binge it. Yeah. Binge it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well on the show, we like to share audition stories from the past. Those can okay. be, uh, you know, the sad one, the one where you embarrass the hell out of yourself, um, a funny one or the, the one that got away. Uh, is there a story that you would like to share with the listeners? I had to drink some water for this one. <laughs> oh Lord. <laughs> I'm buckled in. I'm ready. Uh, well I have a few, but the one, um, I have some great stories, but one, this one was, uh, I can't remember who even the casting director was. It was a really big project. Mm. So I was a little nervous. This is this is why I don't to this day. Um, you know how like you go in the audition room and some people still do it. They highlight the yellow of their lines. Yeah. And, and um, that doesn't work for me. Oh, no. um, I went into the audition and I highlighted all my lines 
And so I go in and she goes, okay. She goes, let's go. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, are you ready? Do you want to do it? I was like, oh yeah, I don't know. Let's do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. She's like, okay. She's like, action. And I'm like, <laughs> she's like, honey, we got to start the audition. I was like, I'm, I'm waiting for you. She goes, you have the first line. I look at the paper. I didn't highlight it. I didn't highlight the first line. No. <laughs> so now I'm sweating. I don't, and I'm the kind of, although I bring sides in the room, I'm the kind of actor that I have to be off book. The whole like mm -hmm. looking at the lines and reading and all that. I can do it better now, but at that time, I was in, in my, you know, beginning of me acting. I, I needed to be totally off book to live. Um, and so I was sweating. I had to do the audition. I don't even know what happened. It was a blur. I just wanted to get out of the room. <laughs> but I mean, it took her three times going, finding like, honey, like, I need you to start. Yeah, I need I you like, to do this. I'm like, I'm waiting for you. She's like, you got the first line. And I, I didn't highlight it. So that's one of my oh, horrible... No most embarrassing moments yeah that was oh i love uh, that oh oh and can i just uh this i have one other though it, it was for actually any day now so i go in the audition it's for any day now um eric uh dawson and critzer they're the mm -hmm. big casting directors so i go in there and it's for this character johnny and i got it down i'm ready this the, the show is set in birmingham alabama um, so let's go. I go in there. I, I do my whole thing. I I'm in the zone. I know he's filling the scene. And when I'm done, he's like, oh, okay. He's like, okay. He goes, um, uh, yeah, great work, man. He goes, were you, were you doing an accent or is that just how you talk? And I said with full confidence, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I, I put a little something on it. Yeah. He goes, don't do that. <laughs> just like that he goes yeah he goes don't do that because it was a pre-read he was going to bring me into producers he's like don't do that and I said, oh my god i said oh okay I i'm sorry he goes he didn't even need to see the scene again he just goes yeah don't do that i said okay and i left and i was like oh, oh, oh. like <laughs> just don't do it i really wanted this show i knew it was going to be recurring gonna be able to grow it's with Annie Potts, Lorraine Toussaint, like, come on. And I got the call. I got the call back. I went in there and I did it without the accent and I Damn. ended up booking the role. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I love UBK. <laughs> I think they're so, such great casting directors and it's so funny. He's <laughs> just like, don't do that. Just yeah. Yeah. And I fully thought he was giving me a compliment. And I was yeah, like, no. <laughs> you know, like when you like, when you like have a false humility of it, I learned such a lesson. I was like, ah, oh, I was like, yeah, a little bit. I did a little mm -hmm. something on it. Yeah. yeah. Did it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, don't, don't do that ever. Oh my you God. You hear me? <laughs> that reminds me, I had this audition once and I can't remember what show it was for. It was a guest star of some sort. And it was like, she was driving a car. And so I think I was like 15, 16. I was in that like really awkward stage of my life where I just didn't know what to do with my body you know <laughs> just didn't know what to do and so she was driving this car and so I pretended like I was driving the car 
And then afterwards, he literally said almost the exact same thing. It wasn't the same casting director. It was a different casting director. But it was essentially the same thing of that thing that you did. Just don't ever do that again. <laughs> and I was like, cool. Yeah, Thank yeah. So, so that, much, that, that I'm thing gonna go you die. were doing, yeah, just throw that away. <laughs> yeah, throw just, that thing away. You don't need that. never do that. It's not good. <laughs> Oh, shit. That's great. Um, Well, briefly before we go, I just want to talk to you a little bit about your writing and your producing because I saw that you're working on a lot of things. Um, Is there anything that you want to plug in here um, that you're currently working on? Sure. You know, um, my producing partner, M.D. Walton, and I, we found that he was an actor. He's an actor as well. And we would see each other on the circuit. And we just said, you know what, we want to we, we, we have this common, you know, ality about stories we want to tell. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to launch Skyscope Pictures. And so we did a short called The Championship Rounds. Um, and uh, it won like, it got like, I don't know, 19 nominations, 14 awards. It starred, it starred uh, Harold, Perrineau, Harold Perrineau from mm-hmm. uh, Best Man and Claws. Uh, he's got a show right now on, uh, on FX. Um, and then it stars, uh, it starred Rutina Wesley from Queen Sugar and True Blood and, um, Love. and also, uh, 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 Lawrence Gilliard from The Wire and Deuces, yeah. Deuce HBO's Deuces. And, um, and so we, we did it as a short and we're now working on the feature. It's, Hey-o. it's, uh, and it's, it's about, a uh, uh, African-American deaf boxer who through, uh, child complications ends up trying to raise his son on his own, but loses him to foster care. And he's spiraling in foster care and he decides to go back into the ring after retiring and, uh, and regain custody of his son. It's a special story. Our, our actor, Michael Anthony Spady, really is deaf. And mm. so um, he created magic in the short and he's reprising his role um, in the feature. We've been blessed to have the Anthony Hemingway, who uh, is uh, really Hollywood's director. I mean, he comes yeah. from People vs. O.J., uh, the Emmy winner of that. Um, so he good. did uh, Aretha Franklin mm-hmm. uh, story, um, Genius, uh, last year. Um, and he's, he just is always working and doing things. And so he uh, has been working with us, developing it over the last couple of years. And so now we're getting into a place where we're feeling really good about it. And hopefully at the end of the year, we'll be able to make some really major announcements uh, to tell that story. So we're excited. Um, it's a special story. It needs to be told. And we're getting really close to making some major announcements about that. Well, on that note, where can people follow you so that they can tune into those announcements? Oh, I love that. Um, you know <laughs> what? Across the board, Derek's Brady on IG, Facebook, and Twitter. And it's just D-E-R-R-E-X-B-R-A-D-Y. Derek's Brady on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. They can find me. And I, I connect and talk uh, to everyone that I'm, that's on there. Uh, so I love doing that. Amazing. Well, it has been such a pleasure having you on the show. I'm so excited to see the film that you're working on and to go binge the hell out of uh, Johnson because that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my day. (laughs) Responsibilities be damned. It's time to binge. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me on the show. This was fun. And listen, I know some things about you, uh, writer, director, actor, extraordinaire. Hopefully we get to do something together. Uh, I can be blessed to work with you. So. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I have fun talking to you. Thanks again to Derek's for coming on the show and spending some time with me. Uh, Keep those audition sides in your hands, friends. Just remember that. Keep them in your hands. Even if you think you don't need them. Just for safety. Keep them there. (laughs) Uh, Tune in next week. We have uh, Victoria Richards from the new Issa Rae show, Rap Shit, on the show. Uh, We have a great time talking. 
And until then, make sure to follow the show on social media. Those links are in the show notes. And as always, thanks for coming in. Hi, I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement, as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye.